Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Will Friedell. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined with our guest super producer, Ramsey Yunt. More importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Gotta be honest, I'm loopy. I have no idea what time it is, what day it is. This is very much a quantum leap, uh, oh boy moment for me. Uh, but I'm glad to be back. You guys look great. You smell wonderful. So are you a character in Ben Bolin's body that quantum leaped into you, or are you Ben Bolin that is quantum leaped into a different body? Because you look like Ben. Uh, that's very that's very kind. Yeah, I, uh, as far as I know, I am not Scott Bakula. Okay, <laughs> but but uh, be that as it may, we're all very excited about today's episode because this is one of our favorite returning formats. We often say that the most important part of this show is you, specifically you. And this time, we're putting our money where our collective mouth is. Right? Yeah, uh, we share a mouth. Yeah, yeah, as yeah. a trio, it's, it's a t- timeshare mouth. Uh, uh, it sounded like a good idea at and the moment. Full, full disclosure: this was almost a Ben Bolin-less episode. It was, but we couldn't we couldn't let that stand. No. And 
then actually called in and left us an amazing voicemail. <laughs> oh, uh, I think about the, five from, of them. From the DMZ. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Uh, but I think you were probably already loopy then because on the front end of a trip like that, you're loopy. Mm-hmm. Then on the back end of a trip like that, you're loopy. When does it ever normalize? It takes you, probably like several days, right? You know, I hope never. I hope never. Are you are you like tripping right now? I, I, bet, mean, I bet like it's an interesting experience. For I mean, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, and I have I have off air some surprises for you guys. So that that's a perfect I sound can't cue. Fix that, sorry guys. <laughs> we should keep that in. That's <laughs> okay. a perfect sound cue. Uh, so we have, uh, as you know, longtime listeners, uh, we have some information that we always want to give out toward the end of every single episode we do. Uh, regardless of what the topic may be at the time. And one of those things that we always make sure to shout out is our call-in line, a call-in number that you can reach anywhere in the world. I I verified this recently while I was trying to find a a quiet place to call you guys in the city, and that number is... 1-833-STDWYTK. 833. 833. I thought it was 888. 833. What's wrong with me? I'm loopy too, I guess. And if you call this number, uh, you'll just – you'll hear a brief voicemail message and then you can leave a voicemail. And Matt, we have to thank you for driving this, for setting up this whole thing. I set it up. For this particular set of episodes, Mm -hmm. that's all Mr. Noel Sif Brown. Come now, Matt. You were were very helpful as well. Instrumental even. And I want to say this up front, and we were probably going to start saying this at the end of the show as well, just to remind people, um, there is a three-minute time limit on a single message. So just either like get your story in three-minute form or just be aware that you're going to have to call and leave a part two, a continuation. Which we're totally fine with. We are totally fine with. And there's going to be a couple like that that you're going to hear today. But um, there were a few people that it seemed like it uh, threw for a loop and they they didn't call back. Yeah. We had a couple of cliffhanger ones, right? And so thank you to Noel as well for going through this massive amount of messages. Noel, how many would you say there were when, when you opened the treasure trove? I can say exactly how many there were. There were 200. 200? 200. And then when I got in, after you had found a bunch of them, there were 144 left. I got through about 40 of those. So there's still 100 sitting there that I have that n- none of us mm-hmm. have listened to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's my turn next, right? <laughs> It's just it, there are so many, and they're all so great. We're, we're trying to capture, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the best of the ones that we can. And then the rest of them we are definitely listening to as soon as we can. So what, what did you find? I'm a leaf on the wind here. This is going to – a lot of this is going to be news to me. Okay. I want to say one thing really quickly up front. Um, some some of the messages that we got were so personal and um, kind that it's not even something that feels appropriate to share directly. But I just want to point out that the folks that reach out and let us know that this show means something to them and that it gets them through tough times, whatever those times might be, um, it's really, really, really amazing to hear that. And it sort of, for me anyway, puts – doing this show in perspective. Sometimes it's so easy to feel like we're shouting into the abyss doing this stuff. And it's really cool to hear people say that we're kind of a part of their lives in a a meaningful way. And I'm not trying to do a whole like Oscar speech kind of thing, but it really is. It was very cool for me to hear that and be reminded that like, oh, this show means something to people. And that's really cool. 
and that's something that we've we've seen in previous messages too. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it means the world to us. We we often in this society have a, a a bit of a misleading concept about podcast. We say, well, the show is free, but it's not free. It's free in terms of money, right? You don't you don't pay cash to hear this show. Instead, you use the most important currency of our age, which is your time. You pay attention. You spend time. Absolutely. And, and we appreciate it. There was there was one other thing um that I didn't want to lose that you mentioned, Noel. Yes, the the idea of certain messages being very personal. When you leave a message, if there's something that you just want to share with us and for something that you, for one reason or another, don't want to be on the air, that's completely fine with us. Just please say it in the message so that we know. Yeah, state it up front if possible and just say, this is just for you guys. Uh, that, that would be great. Um, and, and it is one of those things in our society where a lot of times, uh, for some reason or another, the most engaged people on a forum somewhere are the most negative ones. Uh, <laughs> it's Squeaky very wheels. odd. It really is. And it just – so sometimes the feedback you get is so negative. Having this kind of avenue where getting these positive messages directly to us is uh, very rejuvenating. Uh, personally and creatively. Absolutely. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, it's true. We have a lot of like loudest voices in the room syndrome kind of situations yeah. where they tend to be the voices of dissent. So yeah. it's nice to have some voices uh, saying positive things. And, you know, and not to say that some of these messages aren't like, you know, dragging us over the coals a little bit, but yeah. usually – in a constructive way and not in like a you guys suck, go die kind of way, more of like a oh, I think you missed the boat on this thing. I really love the show. I just wanted to put in my two cents in that. We appreciate that too. So speaking speaking of all of these mm-hmm. things, uh, shout out to Mike who's out there delivering pizzas and hopefully listening to this right now. Um, we, I see you out there. Those pizzas smell delicious from here. So uh, keep going, Mike. Anyway, let's get to our first caller. Yeah, our first caller, I believe the last name was Alex. It was a little – sometimes these get a little muddied, so it's hard to make it out. But um, I'll call him Alex for the purposes of this episode. Um, he had some issues with a few things wanted to add to our Monsanto episode about GMOs. Um, but the most interesting thing that was something that I was unaware of that I think Ben was very much aware of uh, is the idea of um, lawsuits surrounding the practice of seed saving by small farmers. So here's part two of Alex's message where he talks about this very interesting point. Number four. Also, I think you could have mentioned how many farmers have been sued by Monsanto for storing their own non-GMO seeds, which have nothing to do with Monsanto, and how saving seeds is actually becoming illegal. There are a lot of legal things about having your own garden and seeds. I mean, the world is going nuts right now under corporate rule, and I thought that could have been talked about because it's very, very important. So. I love a chow. I think that's a great way to end a call. I a, could never pull it off. A chow? A chow. He like, said chow. Like chow, babe? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not cool enough. Uh, he raises a great point. You raise a great point, Mr. Alex. Yeah, he really does. And it's something that I wasn't aware of. But uh, it turns out that there's a pretty landmark court case where a, a small farmer was sued by Monsanto because he saved seeds that were the offspring of Monsanto genetically modified seeds. They're called like Roundup uh, seeds or something like that. So I guess they are more uh, resistant to um, pests. 
Wait, so they he saved the offspring seeds from these? I thought they were Terminator seeds for the most part, that they would not be able to... Most uh, are not. Okay. Most, most are not terminating line seeds. I think yeah. you're talking about the seeds that were designed not to create more seeds, Correct. right? That, yeah. that couldn't essentially reproduce. So yeah. the idea being that a farmer would be forced to buy another supply of seeds every harvest season. This is a little different. This is... Um, the case of Vernon Bowman versus Monsanto, right? The one that went all the way to the Supreme Court? It did. Yeah, so this is a 75-year-old soybean farmer in Indiana, and it's exactly what uh, you described, Alex, and what you described, Noel, the seed-saving concept. And this is a very ancient practice. Seed-saving is something you do when you are a farmer. Yeah, because you gotta make you got to make more stuff. Uh, to sell or else uh, you're not being a farmer. The gist of the argument from what I understand here is that as Justice Stephen Breyer uh, sums it up, uh, the gist of the argument is that the law prohibits making a copy of a patented invention. Right. So is is a seed a patented invention? Monsanto does own the patent to this. They do own the patent, but it just really starts to get into some very interesting territory when a natural process is considered copying or is considered some kind of like almost corporate espionage of some kind, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and again – he it was something that happened naturally and this is how justice elena kagan summed it up it was a unanimous court decision to uh force this farmer to pay reparations i think in the, to the tune of around $85,000 and i guess lost revenue for Monsanto, which seems insane, but this was what she wrote. Uh, Our holding today is limited, addressing the situation before us rather than everyone involving a self-replicating product. We recognize that such inventions are becoming ever more prevalent, complex, and diverse. In another case, the article's self-replication might occur outside the purchaser's control or it might be a necessary but incidental step in using the item for another purpose. I think this is interesting because when I first read this, I almost – I thought it was like a dissenting opinion because it sounds like she's sort of siding with the farmer or at least sort of saying how this is a complex issue mm-hmm. that hasn't quite been presented to us before in this way. So it's a little bit difficult to have a definitive view basing this on other examples of copyright infringement because it's, yeah, it's, right. it's a natural process. That's what she's in, uh, acknowledging, yeah. that it makes it a little more complicated. I, I do love the argument Mr. Bowman made. I mean, I know we kind of talked about the self-replication and everything, but just having his argument saying uh, that uh, soybeans naturally self-replicate or sprout unless stored in a controlled manner, meaning that it was the planted soybean, not Bowman, that <laughs> created the new seeds, which is – in my opinion, a great argument. It's like, look, the seeds, they just – they, they yeah. made new seeds. What am I going to do? See, that's literally <laughs> what seeds are designed to do. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting and I think you're right in terms of how the court ruled on this issue. They made it more a case-by-case thing. They did what's called a narrow ruling because they wanted to be very careful about what sorts of precedents – They set – and I think there have been – this was in 2013, right? right. And I think there have been some other similar cases that occurred afterward. Um, But in in this case, they unanimously ruled in favor of Monsanto, which some people saw as controversial because uh, one 
of the justices at the time, who is still a justice as we record today, Clarence Thomas is a former lawyer for Monsanto. He didn't recuse himself or anything. He didn't see it as a conflict of interest. Yeah, you never would. No, that Monsanto blood runs deep. <laughs> I like this guy. Who is, this? is this a soybean farmer? Yeah, I think he is. Um, but I, I do love that they rejected all like fully the blame the bean defense. Yeah, well, blame the bean. Blame the bean. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. And so to, to our caller's point, um, I don't know of any cases of Monsanto <clears throat> suing people for replicating non-Monsanto seeds. Oh, yeah. I, that was sort of his point, and, I, and I, I was a little unclear as to what he meant by that. Like, the idea of storing seeds isn't inherently problematic. It's only problematic when Monsanto feels like their patents are being um, infringed upon. Yeah, there is one other angle to it, which would be uh, the idea of seeds, transgenic or GMO seeds, mm -hmm. uh, contaminating adjacent farmland. Uh -huh. So let's say one farmer is using Monsanto seeds, somebody else right down the road or across the way is not involved in that, but somehow these Monsanto seeds make their way to that other crop. Yeah. Is that patent infringement? Are they stealing? Is that, as one of the justices said, what was that line? Essentially bank robbery? That's right. Yeah. 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 No, it was very, very strong language. I think, um, I think that's the blame the wind defense uh, in that case because generally it would be the wind maybe carrying the seeds over. That's right. I don't know how, how else the seed thrower mechanism defense. Ah, uh, the old seed thrower defense. <laughs> I mean somebody threw <laughs> seeds way too far. Now here's the thing too to another point um, that our caller made. It is becoming – increasingly more difficult to grow your own food. Mm -hmm. This is not something that is uh, so simple and cut and dried to achieve because there are like zoning laws that can literally make it illegal to grow vegetables. There's a case in 2013, uh, Herman Ricketts and uh, Hermine, uh, I don't know, H-E-R-M-I-N-E, -E, Hermine, I guess, Ricketts and Tom Hermione? Carroll, Hermione, they were a couple from Miami Shores Village in Florida and they had a garden they'd been growing for and taking care of for 17 years that actually supplied uh, most of their their food, their sustenance. Wow. And because of a change in zoning laws, um, they were forced to up dig up the garden, which just seems like so wasteful and counter counterintuitive, you know? Yeah. Kind of like those laws restricting collection of rainwater. Have you guys heard about those? Mm -mm. So in some areas, it is illegal to set up a cistern to collect water. I think one of the concerns was that it was messing with the natural water cycle. Yeah. People were collecting too much water and they weren't, you know, Nestle, then they would get in trouble. <laughs> they weren't getting it from, from an aquifer mm -hmm. and drinking someone else's milkshake. Purify and sell it for $1.29. Most deaf. Oh, New man. World Water. Check uh, it out. This episode is brought to you by Just Water. It's just water. Mm. It's just water. <laughs> In a milk carton. It's a real product. It is a real product. It's uh, Jaden Smith's company, actually. In this really? episode, <laughs> yes. And this episode is not brought to you by the Smith family or Just Water. But no, it is Just Water. But, you know, to, to, to the whole argument here, it, it, do giant corporations like Monsanto getting, you know, controlling so much of the food that we eat – is that inherently a conflict for folks that are just trying to like grow their own food and do their own thing? And, and it almost is like it's become harder and harder to kind of, you know, 
take care of our own in like the ways that our forefathers once did, you know, because yeah. you would kind of rely on these big corporations for everything from your telecommunications to the food that you eat. And you'll need uh, the last point, which is a scary point on my end, is uh, you will increasingly as a farmer need infrastructure to battle against the changing climate. And it's infrastructure that can be quite expensive to implement. So there's a reason that agribusiness profits or succeeds uh, so often in opposition to a small, smaller farming interest. Yeah. I mean, think of pesticides alone, right? Uh, think of think of irrigation systems. Yeah. We're in a time now where Australia, which is already a super dry country uh, and also a country with large agricultural interests, things are literally catching on fire in Australia. And in California. And in California. Yes, you're right, Matt. So in the future, will we encounter situations where the only people who can afford the necessary infrastructure to grow food are large businesses that can sink millions of dollars into irrigation, climate control, pesticides. Yes. I hope not. Was that the wind? That was the wind of change, boys. The only way you're going to be able to grow food from now on is if you build a giant wall. That's right. Build the wall around your farm so that no Monsanto seeds can make their way into your farm and you won't get sued. Or vertical corporate farming. <laughs> hey, we did did we do an episode on that? I think we mentioned it a or couple times. Maybe it was a brain stuff episode. Wait, what you're talking about here is the future, Matt. <laughs> I'm talking about the future. Build that wall around your farm. Or build, just yeah, build a skyscraper and the put f- plants in it. now. People are doing that. I know. Yeah. And I think that's the only way it's gonna happen. It's gonna Manhattan's just gonna be filled with bean sprouts. So these are fantastic points that you raised, Mr. Alex, and thank you for reaching out. I we'd also like to hear thoughts from any farmers listening to the show yeah. right now. Like, what are some of the misconceptions that you think non-farmers have about the process of growing a crop? And and how does a large agribusiness impact your day-to-day operation? Great. Hey, guys. Yeah. What do you say we take a quick break from a sponsor and then we'll get back to another voicemail? I like it. All right. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. And we're back. Okay, guys. What do we? What do you say we listen to a story? I think that's a great idea. Love it, Matt. This is a story, um, while very tragic, told with utter humor and uh, just complete poise by this uh, by this caller. And I was just really taken by it. And it's not necessarily a harsh indictment of the funeral industry, but it does go to show some of the things you might not consider um, when you set out to cremate a loved one and. Uh, attempt to scatter their ashes or do something that seems very personal, but yet somehow you need the help of these other organizations in order to get this done. Yeah. Forward to hearing this. Yeah. And it really makes you think about precautions you might need to take or things you might want to think about when traveling abroad. So this is, this is a response to our big death episode. It is. Okay. Hi, guys. I just listened to your podcast on the funeral industry, and I have a story for you that uh, is amazing and kind of comical, and depending on how you look at it. Over 10 years ago, I was traveling in Southeast Asia with my husband, and unfortunately, he died while we were in the airport in Hanoi. He went into the bathroom and had a massive heart attack. Now, there's lots of stories around that, but I want to tell you the part that pertains to the funeral industry. Um, he wanted to be cremated, and I had him cremated in Vietnam. It cost me $1,000, and I had to pay in cash, which is a crazy story. And I had to iron all my money because I wouldn't take uh, folded money <laughs> or dirty money. So I washed my money in the sink and ironed it. Um, amazing experience, um, the whole thing. So they cremated him in Vietnam, and he didn't get uh, – they don't burn at as high as, of a temperature in Vietnam as they do in the United States. So there were lots of ashes. The urn that I was handed um, was probably about uh, a foot and a half high by about eight inches to ten inches across, and it was full of ashes. 
In fact, when they handed it to me, it was still hot. It was an alabaster urn, and I had to carry that thing on the way home. Now, I knew my husband's wishes were to be spread from the top of a mountain in my home state. And uh, when I got home, I, I opened up this ginormous urn that I had to carry the whole way, keep on my body because of legal issues between countries and transporting bodies and bloody blah, blah. And the bones within the urn, you could I could still see pieces of his bones. And I knew that if uh, I allowed his children to climb to the top of the mountain and throw these out, that I could cause a <laughs> CSI-type um, incident with pieces of skull and leg. So my story that pertains to the funeral industry in America was trying to find a funeral home that would grind my husband's bones. It was the hardest thing to do. I had to call around to funeral home after funeral home, and because they all were syndicated in this kind of backdoor kind of way, like you spoke about, nobody would touch me with a 10-foot pole, even though I had um, uh, paperwork from Vietnam and paperwork from the U.S. government and, and all the right paperwork to to uh, do this bone grinding that I needed to do after the cremation. So uh, I finally found a local independent crematorium in my state. It's actually the only one within all of New England, I think, um, at least all within my state. So we'll say that. And they, uh, after I told them the whole story, they agreed to help me, and I went there, and for a very small nominal fee, they ground the bones for me so that his ashes could be spread. Um, anyway, it was an amazing experience, um, and there are so many incredible stories. I love your show. Thank you very much. I'm a full-time studio artist, and you keep me busy and entertained while I work. So thank you so much, and uh, have a great day, guys. Uh, bye. Thank you so much for writing into us. This caller's wish was to remain anonymous. And uh, we first would say uh, thank you for sharing your story and we're sorry for your loss. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's been 10 years um, and it's just – I can't believe you had to go through that whole situation. I can't imagine what that was like in the moment. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have to think that it was just, okay, well, what do I do now? Yeah, it's like you go into just like taking care of business mode, yeah. you know? Wow. Wow. In the airport, no less. And here's the thing that I think is so fascinating about that story. First of all, the idea of having to of, – of the funeral industry in other countries, which is something we did not touch on at all in that episode, and the notion that you had to pay cash and that it had to be literally laundered. <laughs> Like, yeah. like ironed and washed. Um, and I just, that's just bonkers to me. But then the whole idea of having to carry around this giant urn on her person mm -hmm. for legal reasons, that aspect of it is, is insane to me. And then how difficult it must have been to find a small enough, a funeral organization small enough that they could kind of like go off the books and kind of say well, we're going to help you out because if I would imagine the issues that she ran into when she said they wouldn't touch her with a 10-foot pole is some of these uh, funeral groups that are associated with the larger corporate parent companies which I'm sure they have protocols and things that they just they won't do yeah well and you know 
this is a bit odd, but just if I'm playing devil's advocate from the perspective of these funeral homes that said, no, we won't grind up the bones. Like Service Corporation International homes. Yeah. Well, okay. Just, this is just a different perspective. Um, Imagine if it was a different story, a different person, maybe someone who's not like our caller, Mm -hmm. someone who was a little more nefarious, who had bones that they wanted to be ground up. I see. Right, but I she mean, had paperwork I know, from both I know, governments. Not speaking, yeah. not speaking about her uh, situation in particular. Absolutely not, and not seeing anything against her. It's just saying, I can imagine you might feel like perhaps legally you might be in a weird position mm-hmm. if you were to take part in that action. Like, are you aiding and abetting a crime? I mean, what it what it sounds like, caller, is that you unfortunately at, at a tremendously traumatic point in your life ran into a bureaucratic approach to death and tragedy. So just like you're saying, Matt, this is entirely speculation on my part. It it sounds like they had some existing policy Mm -hmm. that was boilerplate across the board. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what what the circumstances are, this is something they're not allowed to perform. That doesn't make it illegal for a company to do that. It sounds more like it's their internal policy right. rather than some sort of state or federal law. Well, sure. And as we know, like so often, large corporations are so averse to any potential litigation that they will just go above and beyond to make sure that there's not even a whiff of not following proper procedures. Which is why iHeart canceled my musical. You know what? Let it go. Let it go. Oh wait, no, that's not. <laughs> no, that. no, not that. That's not. I, I, I can't even give you the titles of the songs. Did it have anything to do with a giant man-eating plant? Whoa! <laughs> so, We're keeping that. <laughs> so, I, so yes, this is this is something that. A lot of people don't think about. We're uncomfortable thinking about death. You know, it's the one great unknown. Yeah. Right? And it's always untimely. There's rarely a situation throughout the span of human history where someone passes away and their loved ones say, you know what? Great timing. That just worked out. It's it's um, it's an event that, Matt, I think you said people need to prepare for and a lot of us don't. Um, and this is also a look into um, a, a completely different world, culturally a different world mm-hmm. in terms of funereal practices, but also in terms of business practices. This is completely different. Like you said, Noel, we focused on the U.S. and North America at large. I think maybe we mentioned a little bit about Europe or some slight contrasting things. But everywhere you go, these sorts of laws regarding cremation and burial, not to mention the sorts of mores, cultural mores and uh, social conventions regarding death and burial, they will change. Oh, yeah. This was a very educational story in terms of some of these perspectives that we might not see. But it was also – I just was really taken by how good-humored you were when delivering this story about a, what must have been probably one of the worst days of your life. But to have that perspective and to be able to tell it in such a 
lighthearted and, and entertaining way that really kind of touched me. I don't know. I, I really thought that was an incredible story. Especially, personally, I lost my father um, and we had him cremated. And even that, I think I've talked about it on the episode, was a big to-do where you are required to pay a lot of money for some kind of urn or some kind of receptacle and even just for the, you know, because we were doing it on a budget because the circumstances in which he passed away ended up where we, he didn't leave us any insurance money. So we, it was very unexpected. I'll, I'll leave it at that. And so, you know, the cost of the funeral was an issue. And we were trying to make it as affordable as possible. And there are these kind of hidden costs. Um, and ultimately, we ended up getting it in kind of like this plastic box uh, of which I still I still have. <laughs> I still have some of my father's ashes in this plastic box that I keep in my closet. And let us know, if, if you are listening, if you can relate to these stories, let us know what sort of personal experiences you have had with uh, this kind of unexpected tragedy. Were you uh, in a situation where you were traveling abroad and you lost a loved one? Um, what If you are not a resident of the U.S., what are some – uh, what, are, what are some of the death and burial rights, mores, and laws that you think would surprise your fellow listeners? Uh, you can let us know in any number of ways, which we'll get to at the end of the episode. But for now, uh, let's say we take a break for a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually 
in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back, and we're going to switch gears here and talk about something that came up from our episode about Aaron Trawick, the biohacker who passed away in Mm. a sensory deprivation tank. And a drug was found in his system, and we had someone named Newty call in and left us this message. Hey, Ben, Matt, and Noel. It's Newty, a long-time listener. Um, I I shouted out to you guys like, oh, wait, like a while back. And as you guys put me on the air, uh, I can't remember what it was about. I think it was like Planet Nine or something. But anyway, I was just recently listening to you guys' uh, biohacking podcast with uh, Aaron Treyway. And uh, I wanted to reach out and just call because um, I do have a little bit of experiment or experimentation like back when I was younger with ketamine. And you guys were talking about the whole fact that whether or not it, he like faked his death or if that was like a conspiracy or not. And I'm just saying that if somebody was on special K and going into a water chamber, like the way that the story played out, there's no way that somebody that knowingly that has taken that before would put themselves in that situation. It's just super crazy because you lose like, all functionality it completely it puts you into like hallucinations you like pretty much crawl around on the ground it's super strong and i mean i know that they use it for like i was like doing some research like they use it for anesthetic uh or anesthesia rather and they use it for like chronic pain and they use it for tranquilizers and all kinds of animals for uh like vet veterinarian stuff but when a human takes it are completely like debilitated like you can't do anything so i mean i don't think i i mean if you're a a human person and you know about the drug and you're familiar with it there's no way that you would take it and then go into even like a two-foot pool what let alone like submerge yourself in water because you can't control anything that's going on but anyway those are my thoughts on it um i think that uh it sounds super fishy and i really like listening to that episode you guys are you guys are awesome and i always am looking forward to the next episode all right man you guys have a good night all right someone who has actual experience with ketamine Mm -hmm. Uh, that was some good insight for us because at least for me personally i've only read about this drug uh, online and its effects and never heard anyone actually say 
this is what it does outside of the forums that you can find online. Sure, an aerolator or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to think about that drug when applied to being in a deprivation tank. That mm. seems like a bad idea, and I mm. think we were. I think we mentioned that it seemed like a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's perhaps one of the reasons why a lot of people thought there may be something fishy going on uh, with with his death. Yeah. And to your point, Nudie, uh, Trawick, Aaron Trawick, the subject of that episode, he was familiar with ketamine. Yeah. As, as far as we know, he had experimented with this substance before. So I, I can see with that information why this would seem fishy. When we talked about uh, the death of Aaron Trawick originally, I don't think I mentioned it on air, but it, it reminds me of um, a strange episode, uh, something that happened to me off air years and years and years ago. I had uh, a series of circumstances. I ended up owning some lizards. We don't have to go into it. And I oh, we'll go was into it feeding them. At some point, right? I was, yeah. <laughs> I was figuring out what to feed these creatures. Were they herbivorous? Were they omnivorous? Were they carnivorous? Um, so I – Can you say what kind they were? I'd rather not. So, oh, so okay. They, uh, I fed them uh, – I, I fed them crickets and I went to a pet store to buy crickets and the – Guy who sold me the crickets said, well, are you – what are you going to do with these? I assume you're going to buy them to feed another animal. And I said, yeah, that's that's the plan. And he said, OK. Well, watch out because crickets are stupid. And I didn't understand what he meant, but I kept the crickets in a separate container and they drowned in in a very small, still amount of water. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I, I just put out a dish of water. And it was weird because they remain they remained immobile and appeared to they appeared to drown. I yeah. I am not a, a you know a cricket surgeon or whatever. I I don't know what happened. Yeah, but it was distressing to see things apparently dying in in a way dying in such a sedate fashion. And so, I believe in that episode, we concluded that. Aside from a couple of troubling things, there's there's not a lot of evidence that Trawick was murdered, except for some stuff with the door, right? Yeah, the the door was unlocked, I believe. And generally, when someone is in using one of those sensory deprivation tank rooms at that facility, the door is locked while while it's in use. And now we have another piece to the story because as Nudie says, there's not – a person who has used ketamine in the past would not put themselves in a situation. That's what you said, right, Nudie? You would not put one, yourself in a situation where there's a potential for you to asphyxiate or to drown uh, when you have uh, lost mobility under the influence of this drug. Yeah, and it also brings up the fact that perhaps – it was a purposeful thing and I think we mentioned this too, the idea that you can reach uh, – at least what I was reading on the forums, you can reach such a euphoria with ketamine or such an outer body experience that perhaps um, dying while you're on that drug may not be such a terrifying experience or mm-hmm. it could be the most terrifying experience. Who knows? But um, again, it's really difficult to say anything conclusive about Aaron Trawick's death as far as what truly caused it and why. 
Now, did he have ketamine in his system, or I thought they? I, I remember hearing that they found it in his clothes, like like a, like a baggie of it or whatever. But was there autopsy results that indicated that he was in fact on the drug at the time? You know, honestly, I'm not sure. I might have to listen to the episode again. Um, I no, I believe that he did have ketamine both on his person and in his system, according okay. to the autopsy. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, a lot of un- unanswered questions there still. Thank you so much, Nudie, for giving us a call. Let's move on to a gentleman who has some information about a, an exercise of sorts that occurred back in the day. Hey, so I just wanted to say that I've been listening to you guys' show a lot. I never really was into conspiracies at all, but I love the uh, thought that you guys put into the conspiracies that you do. I've been listening to a lot of your older stuff, and I came across the Operation Jade Helm episode, and I thought it was really interesting because I'm actually currently serving in the Army Reserves, and uh, during one of our summer training exercises, it was a month long, and we were actually in direct support of Operation Jade Helm. We only were told that it was Operation Jade Helm. We're an ordnance unit, and so basically we were told we were just going to go run ammo. Uh, when we asked what we were running ammo for, they just said, oh, we're just, we're just running ammo. Uh, and we noticed that the guys who were coming in to get the ammo were not conventional units, so that was about all we knew about it, but... Uh, I just thought it was really interesting that you guys were talking about um, the government keeping all these things secret from civilians and stuff like that, but they kept it secret from even people who were directly involved in the operation. Uh, It was one of those things where I got back home from this training exercise and uh, I was talking to someone who always has been kind of uh, into conspiracies and stuff like that. And I said, yeah, it was called uh, Operation Jade Helm, I think. And then he told me everything about it. I'm like, well, you know, I can, I have no idea (laughs) what exactly was going on in this operation. So I can't even tell you anything, even if I wanted to. It was one of those things where they kept it a secret from us. And I imagine all the other hundreds of uh, support personnel that were involved in that exercise. So. I uh, just thought I would uh, tell you guys that. I thought it was interesting. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. This is a this is another caller who uh, did not identify themselves by name. Correct. Uh, you you may find this of interest uh, in in regards to Jade Helm. In 2015, uh, President Barack Obama. Name drop Jade Helm. He said it is his favorite conspiracy theory. Really? Mm-hmm. In uh, in November, I think, in an interview with GQ. Yeah. And while it may seem strange to some civilians in the audience, this uh, idea that you may you may be a member of the military or in support of an operation and not be told what the ultimate aim of that operation is, while that may seem strange, that's not unusual. You know, the yeah. the left hand and the right hand don't need to know. Uh, what the other is doing. Correct. Especially if you're just loading everybody's weapons up with ammunition. (laughs) They're just like, just keep it coming. That was one of my favorite parts of the story too. Why are we running ammo? Ah, we're just running ammo. It's all good. And then all the guys, all the units show up and they don't look like conventional units. (laughs) And you're just going, 
okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. Jade Helm, uh, this this was interesting and fascinating for us because this was an ongoing or um, imminent event when we recorded the episode, right? Yeah, and there were so many questions. You had places like The Atlantic, a fairly uh, reputable source, like, talking about, this is weird. This is a strange exercise. Why? And it's huge. All of these companies getting together, selling weapons, then all of these units getting together and testing out the weapons mm-hmm. um, and ammunition and what is it? What what really is this thing? And then they didn't have a Jade Helm 16. Right. Or 17 or 18 or 19, at least that we're aware of. Maybe they just changed the name so none of us would know. Or maybe it's like Heinz 57, you know, <laughs> it's just part of the name. There's no 58. There's no 56. Yeah. The next one is called Dark Boots 19. The Bootening. Yeah, uh, there is one interesting thing that I don't think made it into the original episode, and this may be of interest to anyone who dug into Jade Helm, both the actual event and the speculation surrounding it. In retrospect, U.S. intelligence agencies uh, said that they they found evidence again according to them they found evidence that mm, a lot of the fear and hysteria surrounding jade helm and a lot of the conspiratorial thinking surrounding it was a product of russian disinformation did you hear about I this i did see that there was a facebook page called heart of texas that promoted these ideas and in 2017, Facebook shut it down because it was associated with a Russian company known for promoting disinformation. Again, this is according – this is Uncle Sam's side of the story. Yes. So your individual results may vary. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, thank you for writing in. Uh, whoever you are, appreciate that story and giving us a little insight and personal view. And stay safe out there. Yes, please. Yeah, I really want to know more about uh, just like an ordinance crew like that. Like, what does that look like when you're mm-hmm. you are tasked with making sure that everybody has the correct ammunition and enough of it and all that? Um, I've never thought about it compartmentalized that much, where there's literally a crew of people who are running ordinance like that. But it makes so much sense. You would need you would need that to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just it's never struck my mind as someone who's never served in any way whatsoever. And we have a lot of people in various uh, military or intelligence services who tune into the show. So within the bounds of what you are comfortable telling us, yes, uh, do you have some information that you would like to share with your fellow listeners regarding uh, things like Jade Helm or maybe domestic or international operations? of which the average citizen would likely be unaware. Yeah, that is not going to uh, cause a national security incident by us playing it on the air. <laughs> Please. Surely not. <laughs> I know, Surely just, in, just you know, putting that out there because we probably won't be able to play it if it, if it seems scary enough to us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we massively appreciate you taking the time to call in. And guys, we have done an entire episode with um, – what, four phone calls? Yeah, maybe five. I don't even know. We kind of predicted this was going to go this way, and it's like it's not something we can do all the time, so why not make it a two-parter, guys? Mm-hmm. Let's and, do it. And then, make, uh, and then do another one in a few months because we're just getting so much good stuff. We don't want anybody excluded, but 
uh, you know, we got to get back to doing single topics eventually too, right? And we want to hear from you. So stay tuned. This is part one of a two-part episode. We will be returning very soon with more calls from your fellow listeners. Uh, in the meantime, if you would like to respond or if you would like to leave a message, uh, you can reach us directly. You can call us. We are one eight three three. S-T-D-W-Y-T-K. And that's just an acronym for stuff they don't want you to know. S-T-D. W-Y-T-K. Whenever we do that, honestly, it's so difficult for me not to follow up with in the morning. You know, it it feels like a morning show. S-T-D-W-Y-T-K. In the morning. Oh, that's that's nice. <laughs> but oh. <laughs> then we all have to have obnoxious nicknames, you know? It's like, eyebrows in the gooch, Maddie two hands with the weather. I love the idea that it, the intro song is so happy like that. And then we're like, <laughs> hey, it's Boney McJohn J. What? What? Boney McJohn J. That's pretty fantastic. <laughs> oh, man, you guys, I, I'm so excited. I have to announce this. I was a little quiet on that last story because I was in the queue for King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard tickets, and I got them. Wait, wait, him, hold on. Wait, I hold saw on. those came up. Hold yeah. on, hold on. We were doing an episode and you were waiting on tickets for King Gizzard and the Lizard yeah, Wizard. That's right. Where's the where's where's the issue? <laughs> and you didn't get one for super producer I over got, there I got, for I Rams? Got, I got two, okay? These guys are insane. This is the coolest live band ever. And and they're also like a lot of their stuff is sort of about like kind of weird wizardy kind of conspiracy type stuff and like uh, psychedelic realms and all that. Big fan. If you haven't checked them out out there in uh, stuff they don't want you to know land, highly recommend it. And if you have a chance to see them live, you have to. All right. Well, um, hopefully you were paying attention to the episode while you were listening to this. <laughs> All right, listen here, Maddie Two Hands. I, I, it was it was a very it was very important to me to hop on right at noon. These things sell out very quickly. I apologize. Hey, I came clean about it at least. Uh, you did. We appreciate that. We all do. Uh, all right. So write to us, or you can find us on social media. We are conspiracy stuff in most places. Sometimes conspiracy stuff shows. Specifically on Instagram. Uh, you guys have Instagrams, right? That's right. If you want to see some of my uh, recent adventures abroad, you can follow me directly. I'm at Ben Bolin. I am at Embryonic Insider. I have not been abroad, but I have been I travel very narrowly right here in the city of Atlanta. I occasionally I go other places, but uh, it's mainly just pictures of pretty sunsets and, and my kid doing weird stuff. Well, that's awesome. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I am uh, the F word, but the actual F word, and then Jerry, uh, at F Jerry. That's uh, my Instagram. Uh, not really. That's just the company. Have you heard of the FF Jerry campaign? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's some, they've managed to get them down from 14.5 million followers to just a cool 14 million. So wow. a little at a time. Wow. I honestly don't know what their actual Instagram is. I don't even know if they have one. Uh, yeah, it's, that's what they are. They are that's what they exist as. They are an Instagram page. It's, oh. it's at F Jerry. Really? Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to follow uh, Matt at F Jerry or me at Embryonic Insider or Ben at Ben Bolin, um, you could follow the show where we are at Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. We're at Conspiracy Stuff everywhere else. You can also give us a call at that handy dandy call in number where we are one eight three three S T D W Y T K. If you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can just send us a good old-fashioned email where we are. Conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com
everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.